One, two, three. Welcome to Three Song Stories, the podcast that builds biographical bridges between our guests and your ears using the songs that have fused into their memories. Thanks for listening. I'm Mike Canary. My guest today is a name you might recognize if this is not your first time around with us. Dave Dave Dave, otherwise known as Dave Cowan, is the co-creator of our totally awesome theme song on this show. Triple D was born in Chicago, where he grew up in the Burbs and started playing side drum for the Chicago Highlanders Bagpipe Band when he was 13. He ran away from home when he was 17 and formed a band called Clear Eyes. He then put together the Wayfair and Strangers, which was a five-piece acoustic college band in Wisconsin. He then moved on to solo singer-songwriting about 25 years ago. The dude is a human jukebox and still plays to this day. He's also made a bunch of YouTube videos over the years if you want to check them out. Dave met the other co-creator of our theme song, musician and producer Stick Martin, almost a decade ago and has made several full production recordings with him. Currently spends his time between music projects, snowbirding between Florida and various places up north. Dave's a snowbird now, geez. And union stage handing for the Tampa St. Pete IATSE Local 321. Oh, and he and I were roommates once upon a time. Shout out to the No Hassle Castle gang. Anyway, I know for certain Dave can spin a yarn or two, so this ought to be fun times. And here we go. Hey there, Dave. Long time no see. Hey, Mike. It's been way too long. Yeah, it's been a while. We're old. <laughs> we what are happened? Old. How long have I been asleep? Oh, so <laughs> old. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> remember, do you, or do you remember when we used to come in here on the weekends and record? I do, but the studio has changed its look a lot, and it looks more like Cape Canaveral when you first walk in <laughs> with all the TV screens and stuff. That's it, true. We're trying uh, to present a high-tech face. It looks very high-techy, yes, for sure. Okay, so I, I've known you for a long time. We lived together. Um, I don't know the I ran away from home when I was 17 story, so what's up with that? Well, that's where we're starting. Uh, you know, my parents grew up in the city of Chicago, and that's where I was born. And when I was one year old, we moved out to the suburbs. Um, I think my parents wanted security away from the city. And so I was in the middle of a suburb at, where my biggest problem was really boredom. Uh, and uh, what was the question again? Why'd you run away from home? Oh, because of <laughs> boredom. And my parents, you know, would keep grounding me and saying, you can't do this and you can't do that. And finally, I, I made, some, I think, my first escape attempt when I was on a big wheel, you know. And uh, eventually, you know, between me and my parents, the animosity built up because I was a teenager. And uh, eventually I had a car waiting. And on a th- I think at the third attempt when I was 17, I I got the heck out and of there. And where'd you go? Uh, you know, eventually I rented an apartment uh, in, in another suburb uh, and then kind of uh, from there went to Wisconsin. Uh, because so uh, was Clear Eyes a, a Wisconsin band or was Clear Eyes a Chicago Birds uh, band? Well, I went to Palatine High School, which is in a suburb of Illinois, and I was in a band uh, with uh, some guys named John Cadillacek and Jeff Sachs. John Cadillacek uh, is known for a band that's called Dark Star Orchestra, mm-hmm. and uh, I took him to his first Grateful Dead show, actually, hmm. and he kind of picked up the ball and ran with it, and now is kind of what I would call a Jerry Garcia impersonator. He sounds... And just like him and plays just like him. Uh, so uh, that was our first band. But, uh, you know, that band broke up and then 
Uh, I, I moved with our bass player to his parents' cabin in Wisconsin because when you're in the suburbs of Chicago, you're stuck between uh, either going into the city, which was very expensive and a lot of people, or going the other way, which seemed like going with the wind to where there was open space and also our band, we were kind of like a big fish in a small pond. The, the uh, Wayfair and Strangers? Yeah, we, we suddenly found plenty of places we could play, whereas when we were trying to go to Chicago, sometimes we would have to actually pay money to play in places, you know, just to be seen or heard. So know? how long was the uh, were the Wayfair and Strangers uh, About around? 10 years. We would, we would play in Wisconsin during the summer, and then we had two full-size Chevy vans and would drive to Texas, Austin, Texas, for uh, – in the winter, we did that for a couple winters. We met another band called Lonely Child down there, and then we would bring them up to Wisconsin in the summertime. And so it was, I've been kind of trying to pull off this snowboard or snowbirding thing for you know twenty years. Well, I, guess. I think after twenty years, that means you're pulling it off. I'm trying. You know, I st- <laughs> it's still it's different every time. Uh, I've just been up in Wisconsin, living in my buddy's basement and playing some music with him. Uh, a, and and I'm kind of having a reunion with a lot of uh, these people that I used to know with in the, in the Wayfaring Strangers. So, what was the music around you as a kid? Uh, were your parents musically inclined? Were they playing tunes for you? Like, what was being played when you were little around you that was out of your control? Uh, my dad's dad was in the Houston Symphony Orchestra. And I think because of that, my dad didn't really like music. My mom was big in the Beatles and Elvis and stuff like that. And that's where, where I started listening to records, little 45s and stuff. And that's kind of – my mom was really the one who played the radio and stuff. My dad was like – if we were in the car, he wouldn't even turn on the no, radio. No, he like was an anti because of his dad. Because I think because he grew up in a musical environment, he in order to rebel from that, he had to do something besides music. And, and I mean he did – Go on. When I was in the bagpipe band as a teenager, my dad actually picked up the bagpipes at age fifty and had a you know a wild hair and and started learning them. And he's the one that actually got me from playing in like the school bands as a drummer into a bagpipe band. So drums first, then guitar. Yeah. Uh, what happened? The bagpipe band. Uh, when you play drums, you hold one hand one way and one the other way, and I'm left-handed. So when it, you got judged in the bag in the bagpipe band, so when they would look down the row, even though I was playing very well, you my like hands you looked different, and they judged against us. And then the band came to me and said, "You have to relearn everything right-handed." And that's when I said, "I don't want to do this military-style music. I want to play rock and roll and play guitar." And that's kind of when I. What was your first guitar? Switched. Um, it was an Ibanez right-handed guitar that I had to string upside down. And my buddy John Cadillac, who was in like the further band uh, that played the the new Grateful Dead uh, uh, grouping, um, he he got me started on how to tune a guitar and. And 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 really got me going, you know. I, I I had one from the ages of about sixteen to eighteen, but I never knew how to tune it or anything. And it wasn't until I moved out of the house that he kind of taught me how to actually start to play it. And, and then I would go to the library and, and get the tablature for all this, you know, the Eagles songbook, the Led Zeppelin songbook. Right, right. And the tab was something I could read regardless of if you're left-handed or right-handed. It's just like a little map of where your fingers should go. So that's kind of how I learned music. I, I never had the theory. What's your earliest musical memory if you have to think back as deep as you can? Um, well, it, it goes to one of those songs and uh, one of the three songs I picked out and... Uh, uh, it it would be that that 
uh, Carol King, that chicken soup and rice. Uh, for some reason, my mom had that record. I don't know if it was to influence me or something, <laughs> um, but uh, it was that. And my mom used to all we had. She had a Le Mans convertible, and we would always jam out in the car like she'd crank tunes and me and my sister and my mom would always sing along and that was like uh, my first band was called the Cheerios that was me my mom and my sister singing <laughs> in the car to get groceries yeah. um, can you remember the first time that m- music moved you somehow um wow uh, you know anytime there's a question with remember it's hard for me at this age I'm on the dark side of 40 but uh yeah, uh, I remember uh, when I was a kid going to like a, you know the Fourth of July carnival in your in your hometown. I remember some band was playing like Cool in the Gang Celebration, and that was the first time where like I felt the energy of music and people dancing around. I didn't really understand it because I was just you know just a kid, but uh, I there was. There was something there that was really exciting. You, you know, know what's crazy is, is is just about two weeks ago, I was walking through Publix, and that song came on on the radio. And when it did, the guy that was down the aisle from me started kind of dancing. Mm-hmm. And I, we kind of nodded each other. And then I went around the corner, and there's this woman. She was kind of dancing. Yeah. And it was like, wow, everybody in Publix was dancing yeah. to this song. Yeah, that's funny. <laughs> oh, it's crazy, the power of music. Right. Um, okay, let's, t- let's t- turn to your first song. What do you have? Uh, I, you tell me. What, do I, what have I got Careful written? with that axe eugene oh, by yeah. pink floyd yeah this is, a, this is a good story when i was uh um the pink pink floyd the wall came out in 1980 which meant i was 11 years old whatever grade that is uh i don't know third fourth grade yeah yeah i had a music teacher and she, she I, I don't even remember her name but i remember her um playing um Pink Floyd for us, and I don't think she was allowed to. Like, I mean, I wasn't that she wasn't allowed to, but she was kind of like it wasn't part of the curriculum. Looking down the hallway, making <laughs> yeah. sure you know, and she was kind of like trying to tell us, like, this is a story about um, this the the this this rock and roll guy who's getting kind of been pushed to the edge of his sanity and the crazy whirlwind life that happens in rock and roll, and and uh, that song has you know uh, samples of glass breaking and stuff like that uh, and I think at, at some point it, 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 he says careful with that axe Eugene but uh, she was she was like playing the song for us and then kind of explaining it as it was as the song was happening like what was happening because um, you know Pink Floyd songs kind of play like like a play you know where they're they're acting out uh, a certain scene and she was kind of describing that and being as a whatever 12 or 11 year old uh, you know that was really like my first open, like really opened my eyes to like there's this this whole crazy world out there, you know, beyond the the safe suburbs of Palatine, Illinois. All right, this is one of my turns by Pink Floyd from their 1981 album The Wall. It's Dave, Dave, Dave's first song on this episode of Three Song Stories. So this was a third grade teacher. Yeah, I mean, whenever you're 11, I mean, you 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 got a daughter, so you would know what 11. Well, what, that's, what grade you know, that's, is that? Uh, you know, I mean, 11's like maybe fourth or fifth grade, okay. but not yeah. much. I mean, you're not talking about middle no, school yet. No, but I thought yet. that was pretty racy yeah, what you stuff. Think. To, yeah, you, you know, think? for for preteens to you know hear about. But the funny thing was, it, it was kind of a narrative to not, not. I mean, I was never in a hotel room and destroyed it with somebody in there. But I, I I've had all those elements. It resonates of in, with you today. Yeah, I've had all those elements of insanity come up at one point or another uh, throughout my life in the future. So it's kind of, 
kind of, you know. Where's Pink Floyd fit into your music listenership? Well, I mean, you know, I, if you don't like Pink Floyd, there's something wrong with your, with your, with your brain. You know, they're just <laughs> one of the greatest, you know, uh, bands. How many, uh, how many Pink Floyd songs do you have in your uh, covers repertoire? Uh, you know, I do more obscure stuff. Uh, you got to so know a couple of, a of few, them in there. Yeah, I, I, I do What's uh, the Deal off of Obscured by Clouds, uh, which is a, 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 you know, it's like only a song that I know and like. Um, uh, I, there, there was a, an instrumental on the wall. I always tried to learn that one instrumental that they play, and I, that was kind of how I got to learn how to play guitar. Was trying to learn that there's a there's an instrumental on that wall album too. That's hmm. what is your uh, uh, song list up to these days? You know, I is it getting shorter well, as you get older? You know, I, I once I got past three hundred, I I realized that I was forgetting some on the other end. So yeah, you're pushing I, some as, out. As I learn more, I forget more, and I'm not getting any younger. I'm on the dark side of forty. Uh, so uh, it's probably four or five hundred if I wrote them down, uh, which is something I plan on doing. Uh, well, I remember you used future. to have a you used to have a quite a list that was all scribbled and kind of like sort of semi beautiful ninety. I I did, and I I handed it to a club owner to show him what I did, and and that was my last copy. So I have to, I have to, I actually have to go in my own memory and kind of go through and and write them all down. What song have you learned most recently? Um, Whiter Shade of Pale by Procol Harum. I I I play that on acoustic guitar uh, with electric kazoo. I uh, do that, you know that. Da, 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 da. Uh, I do that on kazoo. And uh, what's that, the what's the most recent song you've written? Um, yourself. Um, the last song I wrote is called "Straight Out of Line." Uh, and it's I like that a little word play it, there. Yeah, it's got some ship references. Uh, about sailing a boat, going in my life is you know like I'm. I feel like I'm just in the wind, you know, getting blown around. So it's kind of. You make mixtapes as a kid. Absolutely, absolutely. That's that's how I would try and impress girls. I'd give them tapes that 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 had my innermost feelings. And did it ever work? No, no. I don't think I don't think it ever worked. But, did you ever uh, scare anybody off? Um, nah, yeah, probably. <laughs> you know, but 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 I was really into mixed tapes. Like I, I remember for my high school graduation, my parents got me a twin cassette deck, and it had the record player on top. So I would, you know, wait for radio stations to play my favorite song, and and I had a pretty good knack for hitting the record button right before it would start, and I would make mixed tapes that way off of songs I heard on the radio. I was. Definitely, you know, uh, when I got my own stereo, I was, you know, definitely off to the races music-wise. Um, what was the first music you were, you ever owned yourself? Um, you know, the first albums I ever bought were Dark Side of the Moon and U2, The Unforgettable Fire. And that's only because I was hanging out with my grandmother and she gave me $20 in a shopping mall. And those were the two that albums that I thought were, and you know, that they were, uh, The Unforgettable Fire had just come out. And I knew I liked a couple songs on that record. And I knew Dark Side of the Moon was something that was a, I didn't know what it was, but I knew it was a staple of, uh, you know. The scene, the yeah, music of, scene of, of that of, era. Of music in general, yeah. It was, you know. When was the last time you bought music that had a physical form? Um, before the internet. Uh, because really? 
as soon as the Napster came out and I could get stuff for free, I loved the pirate aspect of it, that I could steal um, all these bootleg tapes and basement tapes. Uh, one of my favorite bands is Ween, and they have a lot of B-side stuff. And uh, roommate I had, Tori, uh, back in Fort Myers, had all these deep cuts of, like, Ween and, like, Tenacious D when they were mm-hmm, doing mm-hmm. – uh, when they were just playing in bars and stuff. And it was great. And I, and it's, it's, it's a shame because when the Napster went down, I lost – all those, I mean, it, I probably had 4,000 songs on there that was all like this underground kind of recordings. Nowadays, if you go to iTunes, you can get Take It Easy by the Eagles or American Pie, but you, it's hard to find, you know, those basement tapes and all that that, that other stuff. And that's, that's really, I'm a minor for lost songs and, and you know, uh, live versions and hidden versions of, and B songs. What know. process did you use to come down to three songs for this show? Um, I wanted to give you three songs that had uh, wholesome stories that could be on public radio. And <laughs> We're I really a podcast, Dave. We could go off the rails. Oh uh, yeah, okay. I didn't know that. Um, <laughs> I I just you know I, I I wanted to just give you some good good feel good time feeling stories instead of the you know drinking and drugging and 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 all the. That uh, I, I figured the young, you know, when I was younger, yeah, that yeah. I, I I tried to think back into my childhood and and because it was when when you described what the show was to me, it really took me a lot of time to sit there to think to actually what 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 was it that was way back in my childhood that sparked me to be where I am today, you know. You uh you followed the dead around for a while, right? Uh, right at the end, I caught yeah I caught the last couple good years right uh, from eighty eight to about nineteen ninety. Those three summers were really that that was when they were really, in my opinion, uh, on top of their game. And then when their keyboardist died, I think that's when Jerry Garcia started to get sick. And you'd see him on the jumbotron just getting skinnier and skinnier every show, and I just didn't want to watch that anymore. Uh, but there was a time when I was I, I was a big fan of Jerry Garcia uh, more than I was a deadhead, you know. I, I know you've seen a ton of live music, probably more than anybody I know. I've seen a bunch of live music with you. Do you have a craziest concert experience? Ooh, um, I know that's probably hard for you. Yeah, I mean, one one time I was with John Catalyst at a Grateful Dead concert, and it was called the Mud Bowl. I think they still call that, where it just rained there for three days, and we were literally covered in head to toe from mud, and we had to like push my car. You know, he would be he would be in the Honda Civic flooring it, and the wheels would be spinning, spitting up mud on me while I was pushing the car at like a half a mile an hour. And by the time we got out of there, we were literally covered in head from head to toe in mud. What you know. what year or so? Would uh, that that would be like 1989, probably. Well, I think was the Mud Bowl in Alpine Valley, Wisconsin. The Grateful Dead would come to town, and you know, I'm 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 just a, a kid from the suburbs of Chicago. So when the Grateful Dead came to town, all of a sudden it was like the circus came to town, and that's where you could find anything you wanted. You could uh, you could you could you could it was a it was a society in the in the parking lot scene there. So that was it was a kind of a ticket out of the suburbs for me. Uh, was a large, where's the farthest you traveled for a music concert? Mm, uh, probably uh, Alaska. I saw a Ween concert in Alaska. I flew out there with Tori. Wow. And we saw a couple Ween shows. 
and uh, it was a real good time. We had uh, too much fun, actually. Uh, I, I believe after... Broke the fun meter? Um, well, the lead singer of the band actually went into rehab after those two shows because he missed the plane ride back to the lower 48. Because he was partying with you? Yes. Uh, my roommate was the bag man for the band. Uh, and uh, that's uh, kind of how that went. Uh, and it was fun for a while, but it got, you know, it kind of ran its course. Okay, well, let's pivot to the song number two. The whole some Elton John. What, what do you got for us? Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, well, uh, like I said, uh, the first band I was truly in was the Cheerios with me, my mom, and my sister driving around in the back of her Le Mans convertible. And I just remember this song coming on, and we were all singing along, and I'm just a little kid. And the train tracks started coming down, and we didn't realize it. And it wasn't until they were like literally like a foot over my head that I had to scream to my mom, like, train, you know, and she drove, finally drove across the tracks because we were kind of just rocking out. Uh, and that, uh, I just remember uh, my mom saying, we're the Cheerios, you know. Like, yeah, we're, and that was like, we're a band, you know. That was like the, my first memory of something like that. I just thought that was funny how we almost got hit by a train. Uh, well, mom almost got hit by a train rocking out to that one with us. Okay, well, let's hear it. Let's imagine that. This is Elton John's Philadelphia Freedom from his 1975 album, Captain Captain Fantastic and the Brown... Brown let's try that again from his 1975 album, Captain Fantastic and the Brown Dirt Cowboy. You're listening to Three Song Stories. It's biography through music. You got any love for Elton John in your life as an adult? I mean, is this no, like somebody you listen I mean, to? You ever seen him live? You cover any of his tunes? I do Crocodile Rock sometimes, <laughs> you know. But like a song like that, I mean, that when I was a little kid, that was just a song that, like, I remember we were all little kids jumping up on on up and down on the bed. Uh, when like my parents would go see their friends, we you know go in our parents' room and just crank that that kind of music, and it just you know. Uh, before the you know when you're just a kid you just got all this energy yeah, and I wholesome remember, energy I remember jumping so high in the bed like I hit the ceiling you know like that's just uh, it was just one of those things but yeah I, I mean I don't I don't even really listen to that song anymore but I'm like if I'm playing a show or something and I'm taking a break I might put that song on just for old time's sake yeah 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 you know that kind of thing but that's just kind of the the beginnings of the first time I ever got into music yeah, to the yeah. point where I would jump up and down and hit my head on the ceiling, hmm. you know. Okay, so uh, album or albums, if you've got a couple, that, that you will always listen to all the way through from start to finish if you put it on. Um, there, uh, well, one you turned me on to was The Refreshments. I think oh. that's, a, that's a great album from beginning to end. I've referred to it several times on this show as being one of my top five most listened to albums of all time. Yeah. I listen to the yeah. crap out of that yeah, thing. Yeah, and I still I play a few songs off of that record still. Um, a lot of people don't that's know fizzy, about fuzzy, those guys. That's fizzy, fuzzy, big and buzzy, by yeah. the way, out there. Yeah, and, and they still play together as Roger <laughs> Klein and the Peacemakers. Uh, they had a contractual dispute, so they can't call themselves the Refreshments. I didn't know that. I guess I should have looked harder. Basically, still are the refreshments cool. for, for this same, I believe, same guitar player, which is those two yeah, guys together. That's, that that's was the, the sound. key right there. Yeah. yeah. Anything else? Um, you know, I always thought uh, Pearl Jam 10 was a perfect record. I always thought Zeppelin 4 was a perfect record, but it kind of goes without saying. Um, you know, I, I and I and I think that's very rare to do to, to be able to to write a record with like 10 songs and everyone be good. Mm -hmm. You know, that, yeah, yeah. that it's just you know. Uh, that that you to, to to be able to tap into that you know and to and reproduce that over and over is is definitely a skill. 
You went to Japan, right? Yeah, for my 40th birthday. Did you play music over there? Uh, I only did in, like, music stores. I didn't really have any connections. Um, but uh, one thing I learned in, in Japan, they have a 12-note. Uh, they, they they split an octave into 12 notes. Okay. Where, where in America we have eight. Um, so they've got a whole different thing going. Well, for them to hear like just 12 bar blues, you know, dun, 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 that that to them is really appealing. I think because they don't it, they don't really have that um, time signature when they're brought up. So to them, it's it's appealing to hear that because I would just kind of just play acoustic guitars over there, and and I would get a lot of interest when I would just start playing like Jim Croce style blues. Uh, yeah. Bad, bad Did you have Brown. a big head of hair at the time? Uh, you know, I don't even remember. I, I remember <laughs> having a midlife crisis and wanting to be away from everybody when I turned 40. And that's kind of why I went there. Um, that's a pretty good place to be, to be away from everybody. Yeah, it was, it was definitely the most foreign place I've ever been. And it was cool because I got there and, you know, they say in Japan, oh, everybody speaks English. I got there, nobody spoke English. <laughs> and, and like, it Not was, to you anyway. <laughs> it, it took me half the night just to find my hotel, um, you know. But it, but it was cool because I think I can get around anywhere in the world now that I've tried to get around on, on the Japanese subway system, you know, where I couldn't, un, you know, I couldn't even read any of the signs. So. So uh, hmm. uh, if you can figure that out, I think you can go just about anywhere. You know? So you play a lot of music. You play live all the time. Uh, who are the your favorite people to play with these days? Uh, to play with, you know, I, uh, I when I play uh, in uh, Florida, I have a drummer I play with, Kopi, and he's really uh, uh, is I uh, calls himself Kopi uh, Copenhagen, I believe. Uh, and he's a really good drummer uh, that my my buddy uh, Stick Martin uh, introduced me to, uh, and he's really good on sticking on whatever I do, uh, you know. But uh, uh, I actually just started playing with a girl in uh, Wisconsin. Uh, her name she goes by Anna Jo Banjo, and I'm normally not a big fan of banjo players, but the, she kind of strums it like a guitar, and it's kind of like the female version of me, kind of edgy. Um, she's kind of a badass, you know, and so I might, I'm actually going to fly back up there in a couple of days and, and we might do some more. Uh, we played one gig already together and it went well. So cool. How many, uh, how many songs have you written? Uh, you know, approximately <clears throat> probably over 50, yeah. you know, and I, I'm, I'm, I'm a lazy songwriter. You know, I always want, I, I'm, I'm, I always want to write songs, but you know, uh, I remember Jerry Garcia saying he'd rather brush his teeth than sit down and have to write a song. And I, I kind of sometimes <laughs> that's how I feel, you know. But but at the same time, I feel compelled to to always write new stuff because uh, it just gets old. You know, you have to do yeah. it for the sake of evolution. You got to come up with new stuff. Are you, you still know? playing Zip Code Unknown out there on the circuit? Yeah, I'm getting a lot of mileage out of that song <laughs> because I'm, you know, here I am, you know, uh, like I say, on the dark side of 40. And uh, like when I was in Wisconsin, I'm in my buddy Tom's basement. You know, and it was like when I was there 21 years ago, I was in his mom's basement. So right. I went from one basement to the other in 21 years. I'm staying underground, I guess you could say. So uh, how do you listen to music mostly? Do you use iTunes? Do you use uh, Pandora? Do you use Spotify? It's, it, you know, it's so weird because uh, just in the time I grew up, I grew up in albums and cassettes. And then it went to CDs and then I scratched every CD I had. And I've uh, – so now uh, how I listen to music is mostly with my phone and a Bluetooth speaker 
usually on YouTube because, just because it's easy for me to search. Yeah. Uh, and some, I do like what Pandora does, how it takes an artist and will take similar ones, and that, that kind of will turn you on to some new music. I, I do like that. I, and there was a time I was doing that a lot, but uh, it's always changing, you know, so it, it's tricky. I've, I've actually tried to get gigs at places where I handed them my CD and they said, we, we don't take physical CDs here. You need to send us a file. Yeah. You know, so it's, it's become a... Uh, you know, there's nothing, it's become, a, there's no physical thing anymore where you, you know, have a record that you're trying to sell. I mean, you, people still make them, but, uh, you know, it's, it's just times are changing. Yeah. Know? Yeah. I guess you can't really sell CDs at shows anymore. You, or, can, or you can, but, but it's, probably... it's more for sentimental, you know, yeah. if, if you want the original CD with the artwork cover, I, I understand that, but, but people just don't want all those and they scratch, you know, it wasn't, a, it wasn't a good uh, replacement for the cassette. I don't Not think, for the you know? non-meticulous. Yeah. And, and, <laughs> and just the fact that, you know, you can have on your phone, have access to the internet and you can have as many yeah. songs as you'll want you know there's uh so is there a, a band you've discovered recently that you might want to give a shout out to that you don't think uh people would necessarily know um you know i, I because i'm playing music a lot i don't get i don't i don't get the time to to listen to much and also because i'm a, a stage hand and i'm on the back side of of concerts a lot loading in concerts and broadway musicals uh, I, I don't mean to sound dark, but the last thing I want to do after loading in and out a, 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 a band is to listen to music. Yeah. Um, and, and, and it's okay because I've ran with the ball long enough on that side. But, uh, you know, um, yeah, it's uh, – I, I, in, in answer to your question, the, the newest uh, thing I've been turned on to is a band called Eels. And, and they've been around for a while um, but uh, I just I just found out about them uh, probably through YouTube, and there's some songs that I really like from. What that do they guy. sound like? Um, roughly, you speaking. know, they, they, it's weird. They've got a bunch of different. Some they've, they've got some almost like industrial electric heavy stuff. But it, it seems like in later years, uh, I think it's just one guy that that is the band kind of. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and he's done some more just kind of acoustic singer-songwriter stuff, which I've always been a fan of, uh, all things acoustic usually. You know? Is there anything that's really super popular in the mainstream that you are also a fan of, or do you just kind of avoid the super popular? No, I mean, if I like a song, I like a song. You know, uh, when Pumped Up Kicks came out, I thought that was a good song, you know, Uh uh, you know, when, uh, I don't know if, if it's a, if it's if it happens to be a, a hip song, that's that's beside the point to me. If, if I, I like songs that I like, you know, and, yeah. and play the songs that I like, so you're not a snob of anti pop music. Yeah, I mean, I'll, some of it's okay, but you know, I, I like I, I like to dig around and find the underground stuff yeah. more than more than the stuff that's put out, you know, to the general public. Okay, we're gonna move on to your third song. It's uh, what is it? It's Pierre. I don't care. Okay, yeah. Tell that, us. Do you want to tell a story? Do you well, want to listen? This just, is. T- t- Tell people where this comes from. When I was just a little kid, I had a, a you know a little record player that I, my mom would, uh, you know, I had records. My mom's forty fives of the Beatles and Elvis and stuff like that. And uh, for some reason, I had chicken soup and rice. I don't know. I think it was like a double album. And there was this song, Pierre, I don't care. And that was the first time I heard a song, and I was, uh, you know, I don't, I don't know. Uh, 
it's it's not that I didn't care about things. I did care about things, but for some reason I could relate to the story of this song about this kid who didn't care, and then he got eaten by a lion or something, and then the lion regurgitated the kid, and then he cared later. And I didn't really care for that part of the song, but I thought I could relate to the first half of the song because— The part it, before he got eaten by the, the lion. The part where he didn't care, yeah, because it wasn't that I, I wasn't a caring person as a little kid, but there was a lot that, like, you know, I, I, I was raised kind of by the television a lot, you know, and, and so, you, you know, you were, you were put in front of, uh, you know, a lot of things— TV dinners and soap operas and things like that that I just couldn't relate to, you know. Uh, and I knew it was kind of a, a bunch of fluff out there in the world. And that was kind of how I could relate to So that. you related to the I don't care part, but not necessarily the moral of the song. At the no, end. yeah, the moral of the song, I thought, I mean, I got I got what where, where she was going and she wanted kids to care in general, but I, I, I had a rebellious side and I wanted to continue to kind of hold my ground, you okay. know? <laughs> That's great. Uh, okay, well, this is it. Um, by the way, uh, Chicken Soup with Rice is a, a song that is so deep in my psyche that when you said it, I was just like... I am yeah, and four years old. I don't have real word memories, I, but I, I feel it. I picked it because it was absolutely one of the first songs I remember. You know? Okay, well, this is Pierre, I Don't Care, by Carol King from the 1975 album Really Rosy. It's also in the movie, which is called Chicken Soup with Rice. Uh, it's um, Dave's third song on Three Song Stories. Yeah, that song doesn't make any freaking sense. No, I, I, I don't, you know, I, I, I uh, it's hard to make it through that one, you know, but when you were a kid, you I mean, know, it's got a lot of epic sort of energy, we, but I don't get it. We had longer attention spans back then, you know, you, you could sit and listen to a record for 30 minutes and, and not get bored, but it, it, it was, a, it was a rough one, you know, and I don't really get it. Like, did the, the, the lion eat him and then barf him back up and then that made him change his mind? What happened I think there? the, the lion and ate him and barfed him back up, but how that connects to now caring is what right. I don't get. Like you might get eaten. Yeah. Maybe it's like he gets a second chance. That's like a near-death ex- That's what it was. It was a near-death experience right. for the child, right. which made him have a moral heart. Yeah, I, yeah, <laughs> I did, and yeah, I was I wasn't really buying that, you know. Okay. And, and that's what that's what uh, that's kind of was like. I'm, I'm gonna. I'm going to stick to my guns, you know. Okay. Kinda... Still not caring all these years. Yeah, still not, not caring. <laughs> I mean, I do. I, 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 I care. Okay. Um, your life centers around music. Uh, do you ever get sick of playing music? Do you have songs that you have put on moratorium or have killed from your repertoire entirely because yes. you're just over them? Zeppelin Four is on moratorium. The whole album. The whole album. I've just now like You've I run put, out of I, fuse for that one. If I, you put on Presence or Coda or one of those off albums, you know, put on Achilles' Last Stand, some some you know, but you know, if, if I hear you know. Rock and roll, or you know, you know, everyone's always yelling "Freebird" at you. You know, I just if I hear that song on the radio, I just immediately turn it off, just because I I've, I've been overexposed. It's they're great songs. I've just you know, you can hear something too much, and and that's what can happen. What about on the performing side? Are there songs that you used to perform that now you're just like, no, I've yeah. cut it off? When I first started playing songs, I was playing cover songs like Take It Easy by the Eagles. Right. You know, now if somebody throws a 20 in my tip jar, I'll still play that song, but I'm I'm moving on to more progressive kind of multi-genre bands instead of just like the classic rock that I was kind of brought up on. What is your favorite song to play right now? 
uh, uh, the, my favorite song that I play right now, I would say, is uh, the song called Railroad Man by Eels. Um, okay, that band, that band I, you just uh, referred yeah, to. And yeah. it, it's, I can really relate to it. It's about uh, kind of uh, how the times are changing and how this railroad man is kind of feeling left behind us as the modern world is kind of – uh, happening around. Does that resonate with you a little yeah, bit? Absolutely, yeah. I, I'm feeling really old these days. You know, I mean, I, th- I still think I got some some uh, rocket juice left in me, but uh, you know, uh, I'm 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 not getting any younger. Let's put it that way. When was the last time you went to a festival? Uh, I went to Melon Jam. About three weeks ago, which was a two-day bluegrass festival in Mellon, Wisconsin. Oh, okay. And I got to see some old friends up there that I played with. When when my rock band in Wisconsin broke up, the remaining members uh, kind of all started uh, to play bluegrass. And there's a big bluegrass scene up there. It's not really my cup of tea. I'm more like acoustic Americana, I would call it. Um, uh, bluegrass to me is is kind of a little conservative, I guess. And, and I'm just not that good of a picker. Those guys are really fast pickers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm, I'm, I'm more of uh, what I lack in musicianship I try and make up for with enthusiasm. Uh, and so, th- but those guys are more about technicality, you know, and playing really fast, 64th notes. You know? When was the last time you went to uh, Spirit of Swanee? Uh, it's been a while because um, one time I went there and my friends uh, were sitting at the campfire and got arrested by some undercover police. Really? That's yeah. a crazy story, And, Dave. and uh, took them to jail and I had to spend the night there. And that's when I thought, you know, this festival isn't that fun if, I, if I'm just sitting with my friends. You know, I, I had a similar experience. Did you? Yeah. yeah. I haven't been back either. Yeah, that, that was, that was, that was kind of the last one uh, we had. You know, when, when you're, you're, you think you're on vacation or whatever and all of a sudden undercover cops come up to your campsite and take some of your friends away it it makes you question why you're there you know yeah um you referred to uh led zeppelin as something that you would always turn that you turn off off you know if it comes on the radio these days you turn it off are there any other songs that are like either because you just hate the song for its musicianship or you have a negative memory with it yeah there was a time in my life where i did hate songs and now that i'm getting older i'm actually becoming i'm trying to find ways to like songs that I don't even like, you yeah, know, like, yeah. I, I, I mean, I'm trying to be less angry about it, I think, you know, I like a Justin Bieber song, you know. Wow, um, it's like a confessional. I I, uh, I I play a Justin Bieber song. Uh, well, that and, doesn't surprise me, I think. Uh, but, you know, sort of uh, you know it, it, it was a good song, I, and I didn't know it was even him until I heard it, and uh, I liked it, so I learned it and, and played it. So uh, I, 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 I try and find out the I, – I try and like what's good in a song these days. That is so great because yesterday we recorded an episode, and Richard was the one interviewing a friend of his, and his final thought was – don't hate music. Yeah. Find a way to love music and either have no opinion or love it, but yeah. don't hate it. Yeah. Now, now there is like, you know, I, I do get tired of, you know, like if, if I'm hearing like uh, the same old hip hop, I've got this, I've got that, I've got, you know, kind of the bragging kind of music, bragging hip hop. And, and I like some hip hop too. Don't, don't get me wrong. But, it, you know, that kind of, I got the money, I got the... This, this is all my stuff that, that kind of gets old. But besides that kind of stuff, I like all, all genres of music. All right. Well, that is all the time we have. Do you have any final thoughts? Um, it was just good to see you. And I just wanted to uh, thank uh, my buddy, uh, Stick Martin, who drove me a couple hours out of his way. It was a logistical um, 
I don't want to call it a logistical. It was a logistical miracle that we could pull this off. Yeah, no, I just I'm so flew happy into town for a week, and, and he's a busy guy, and uh, we were able to find a few hours to do this. So I'm, I'm, I'm happy we got to see you again. Cool. Well, I want to thank my guest, Dave Count, as part-time musician, part-time pirate in the best sense of the word, and an old friend of mine. It's been way too long, Dave. Thanks for doing this. Thanks, Mike. And thanks a million times for making the theme song. Oh, no problem. No, it was, it was good fun. <sighs> Alright, you wanna to try to do beer again, take two? Yeah, you can do it from there. It's cool. Here we go. You ready over there? I'm ready over here. Alright, alright. Everybody's happy. We make this show in the studios of WGCU Public Radio on the Florida Gulf Coast University campus in Fort Myers, Florida. Our show is co-created and produced by Richard Chin Kui. Tara Calligan is our online content producer. Our executive producer is Chris Duffus. And our theme music was created by Dave 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 Cowan and Stick Martin at Monkey House Studio in St. Pete. Before today's parting tune, remember, we want your song stories, people. It's simple. Ah, just pick a song that will always take you back directly to a memory and a story and send us the song name and the story whether written or recorded to mysongstory at wgcu.org we're going to start using listener stories as parting tunes and episodes down the road for my parting tune this week I'm going back to a place called The Porch and by The Porch I mean a house near downtown Fort Myers that was once owned by a mutual friend of Dave and mine named Bob it was pretty much a non-stop party full stop well one day me and Dave and our friend Hap just showed up with some recording gear busted into that day's scene, made ourselves at home, and recorded what we called the porch session, which wound up being 12 tracks long. This is the song that pretty much laid the groundwork for Dave Cowan, being dubbed Dave, Dave, Dave by us Florida folk. It's a song Dave described as being part of Wisconsin's bar music lore that he'd learned from some other rap scallion musician along the way. Well, he brought it down to us to a place called Liquid Cafe in downtown Fort Myers that was sort of like an artistic home and heart for many. This is Beer, 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 performed live at the porch by Dave, Dave, Dave in probably 2004 or so. I'm sure it'll make the perfectionist musician in Dave cringe, but so be it. It is what it was. We were there. I'm Mike Canary. Keep listening. There is still some hope. Said come with us tonight, man. We're going to smoke some dough. So now it's dope, dope, dope. Smoking this here dude began to roll. Well, we toked a couple doobies and we smoked a couple bowls. But then he pulled out something different. He had a hidden in his stash. Damn, I was so high, I can't remember what he called it. Oh, yeah, so now it's hash, hash, hash. It'll give your head a smash. And it's hash, hash, hash. Oh, let's go smoke some hash. You know, and something he called coke Well, we snorted and we dropped And then I had another toke There was MDMA And there was LSD And damn, my head felt weird So by and by there came a time When I went back to beer So now it's beer, beer, beer I can smell it when it's near And it's beer, beer, beer Oh, let's go drink some beer Oh, oh, oh Let's go drink some beer.
something like Howard Dean at the end of that one. <laughs> then we're going to go to the bar, and then we're going to go to another bar, and then, yeah! Next time on Three Song Stories. It's a blessing for the czar. A blessing for the czar. May the Lord bless the czar and keep him far away from us. That was the... <laughs>